Welcome to Farming Eternal, an eternal podcast for farmers, hosted by me, Patrick Rapatumaro, and DraftQ's end boss, Hats on Lamps. It's episode 39. For those of you tuning in for the first time, we are a draft-focused podcast. Our goal is to help you and me, mostly me, get better at draft. We get into the nitty-gritty of the drafting process with a little meta-analysis and play tips thrown in. This week, we're going to talk about how our draft week went, some announcements, listener of the week, card of the week, seven win run breakdown, our main topic, back to basics, a primer on draft, and then we'll review a draft. And this draft actually is from our so far unannounced guest, Craig of Canada. Uh, I'm Craig of Canada. So Craig here is uh, a reformed Hearthstone podcaster who's started playing Eternal recently and emailed us with some questions on the basics of draft. And so we thought we could turn this into an episode because we haven't actually done one of these for the show yet and kind of just talk about the basics of draft. But I think it'll be helpful for new players as well as veterans. And speaking of veterans, hey, Hats. Hi. So the crew is here. Hats is still playing Eternal, so he's still a co-host. I'm still around. I haven't given up yet. Thank goodness. (laughs) So... Speaking of which, Hats, how was your draft week? Uh, it was not bad. It was okay. Uh, I, uh, If you'll remember from last week, I dug myself into a little bit of a hole. I had some bad drafts. Uh, I'd lost my way in the world. But I've kind of fought my way back up. And I'm back in the top 20 in Masters rank now. I, I, had, a, I had a winning streak. Uh, I feel a little bit more confident. Uh, I'm now terrified to do any more drafts because I don't want to jeopardize my stupid, stupid rank, which doesn't matter, except now it does because you get special points at the end of the month if you're in the top 20 and in the top 100, but you get more if you're in the top 20. So now I don't want to risk that. Uh, I probably have to to play a little bit more, though, because uh, rank 10, 9, 11, which is about where I'm at, is not safe. There's going to be a big push at the end where all the good drafters try to make it into the top 20. So uh, if I want to stay there, I'm going to have to play some more. And I want to stress again, it doesn't matter. But on the <laughs> other hand, it super does. <laughs> and what makes it worse is that I'm in the middle of a draft right now. I'm 1-0, but the the deck is is terrible. It's got a few powerful cards in it, but it's split evenly across three colors. And and there's double influence requirements, and it's a, a very unreliable deck. And I just don't want to finish the draft at all. <laughs> I just don't want to. I just don't want to nosedive using this stupid deck. I'm using six influence from each of the three main factions. It's as bad as it gets. But eventually, I'll 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 break through my anxiety and 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 do it and finish. Well, it. I'm I'm glad your week improved because I felt really bad because the other day. I was uh, editing the podcast, and so while I was doing that, I kept viewing your games where you uh-huh. would lose disastrously yeah. every single game I, I uh, <laughs> observed. So I felt re- I actually stopped observing your games because I didn't want to like upset you or, or keep giving me bad luck. Yeah, no, I yeah, I, I wanted to comment uh, after each one too because I, you know, wanted to say, well, that was another bad one. Well, <laughs> thanks for witnessing my cliff dive or whatever. <laughs> And uh, I don't know. It, it, it wasn't it wasn't that bad. Things are fine now. So that was your Craig? draft week. Well, for me, um, my draft week's been okay. I, I feel like I'm doing worse now. Uh, what I didn't know when I started playing Eternal, like not too long ago, 
I guess I started at the beginning of the new format. Mm-hmm. So I definitely had not not an advantage, but I had less of a disadvantage of being new to the game because no one knew what the cards, like how they performed yet. And right. I had no idea how Eternal worked outside of the tutorial and a couple expedition games. So I jumped into draft with knowledge of MTG and I collected a few seven seven win runs when I first started. But now I'm finding myself kind of sitting at that four or five mark almost consistently a couple threes in there too like i don't think i've had a seven or a six since uh since my first week playing basically i'm not playing as much so i'm sure that plays a part in it but uh that's basically what i'm here for is to eventually get you guys to help me out so then i can come back one day and be like yeah, you know, top 11, a little scared to queue because I got this deck that's split evenly between three factions. And <laughs> I, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm, uh, I sound like I'm complaining, but it's fine. It's, a, yeah, it's an okay top 10 place in the to world, do. so I don't know. <laughs> LSD oh, probably knows you by name. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> you should just so be proud. stressful. <laughs> I, I totally get that. No, actually, Craig, it's funny you mentioned that because that was kind of my experience with Eternal too. Is the first draft I did, I went six and three, and I had this super busted deck, and I was like, "Oh, this is so easy! I've broke it." And then it went way downhill after that, after like my initial high. But I think, yeah, keep at it. How was your draft week, Patrick? Mine continued to be disaster. It was awful. Oh. Last week we talked about. I had a horrible week, and then I drafted this. I, I don't even remember. It was so long ago. But I was like 5-1. and one. I got that to seven wins. I was like, oh, look. I got that Hats on Lamps glow. It only lasted for that one draft. And then I immediately 0-3'd, 1-3'd, and did some more miserable stuff. But my last two drafts have been a little bit better. It's one of those points where it's like really hard to tell like, how many times can you lose before you're you're like, well, is this, how can this still be variance? How can I, how can yeah. I be like three out of my last 15 games and it's still variance, but it felt like that the whole time. I was just like, you know, I'm not saying I was playing perfectly, but I felt I was playing competently or at least no worse than usual. I just felt like I was running into a wall after wall. Wall. I mean, like, I had games where this was two drafts ago. My second, I don't remember my first loss. I'm sure it was awful. My second loss was someone played a turn four Sodi Spell Shaper. Then they played a turn five, a second copy of Sodi Spell Shaper. And it's like, what do you do against that? Then you the next game, that. we got into a board stall. And I was like, oh, I still think I, I can win this one, I think. And, uh, and my opponent was emote spamming me which was not helping my mood and then they played a clutch of talons and produced two dragons with it and i was like oh (laughs) that's a that's a legendary though right yes yeah i was like so much for this run that guy sounds like he was good yeah yeah (laughs) he with great talent chose that legendary but yeah i'm still plugging away trying to just like get back on track and I think we're getting there. So I'm not disheartened, I think. All right, so let's move to announcements. Our big announcement, as always, is to shout out our Patreon patrons. So uh, first thing, 
for those of you who don't know, we do have a Patreon. You can check that out at patreon.com at slash slash farming eternal. Um, and if you do decide to become a patron, uh, you get access to our show notes, which I think Craig can attest to being quite extensive. He's not listening right now, so he can attest, but he would if he were. And then also uh, another fun feature is I've been putting all the show bloopers and let me tell you, there's a lot of them into the discord channel for our patron only discord channel. So that is another perk. I'm going to probably provide a lot of those bloopers. Let's be honest. No, trust me. You, you, you have stiff competition with me. And then the other thing we do is we thank all our patrons on the show. So first, uh, uh, yeah. So thank you to all our patrons. So Titus and Blossom, Parmalee, Toku, Darth Herman 2, Twin Hex, Cassandrith, Jed the Homerid, Raven Dragon, Esrich0215, Sunblaze, Worked on Sun, and Yistout. Thank you for being patrons, and thank you for, I'm assuming, forgetting to cancel your Patreon. It's much appreciated. <laughs> and then, we haven't done this in a while, but we have a listener of the week this week. So I'd like to give a shout out to Stevie London. Stevie has uh, joined the Discord in the last few weeks, and really sort of rolled up his sleeves and has been very active in Discord, helping people just like really sort of really jumped in uh, feet first. A lot of analogies there. Um, but I guess it's just kind of cool because, you know, a lot of the people in Discord, I feel like are kind of like an old guard where they've been with the show sort of before we had a Discord and stuff. And so I just like know them. And so it's really cool to, to see people who, are listening to the show and getting into eternal more recently sort of being able to participate and have a good time in discord. So I'd like to thank you, Stevie, for, uh, you know, just being you and, you know, participating in the discord. It's much appreciated. Love you, Stevie. Yeah. Nice job, Stevie. So shall we move to card of the week? All right. So hats, what's your card of the week? My card of the week is Kodosh sees all. So Kodosh sees all is an uncommon uh it is uh, a seven cost uh double justice influence uncommon it's curse it's a cursed relic so it goes on your opponent and it says at the start of the cursed player's turn play a griffin with flying and attack and health equal to the number of curses on the cursed player and their units so at the beginning of your opponent's turn uh you get a griffin uh if you just have Kodosh sees all in play, and that's the only curse, then it's a 1-1 griffin, but if you have more curses in play on any of their units or on them, uh, then the griffins are larger. Uh, I, I chose this card because it's gone from, in, it's gone in my mind from being a 7-drop, uh, and therefore uh, you have to seriously question whether it's playable at all in draft, to mm -hmm. being one of the most important cards in the format that you always need to be aware of. Because uh, it it slams the door shut on a game like no other card. I've started taking it much higher. Um, it's an uncommon, so you don't see it every draft. But uh, when I do see it, I always seriously consider just taking it there and then building a deck that is essentially uh, a defensive deck uh, with with um, Kodash sees all at the top end, mm -hmm. but I've also seen people play perfectly normal Combray decks against me with a with a smooth curve. But then they also have a Kodash sees all just in case none of the other things they did won the game. Kodash sees all will almost certainly. 
Uh, even if it's only making a 1-1 every turn, you still get to play cards every turn. Uh, and Kodash these all will, will make chump blockers as long as you need them. And then uh, it's just this massive advantage for the rest of the game. Yeah, and I, I think that's one of the powerful things about this card is that you might not appreciate it at first, is the fact that you don't really need curse synergy to make this work. Because like your example, a Combre deck, you know, with those decks, if, especially if you have a lot of Gradov's favored and stuff, you can really gum up the ground. And so having a card like this that just will pump out 1-1s one every single turn, and you're eventually going to win the game um, as long as your opponent is not also doing a powerful thing with two powerful things with flying. That's the nice thing, is yeah. even if they just have a single flyer, you're going to be able to chump block that forever with this thing. Yeah, it's an incredibly powerful effect, and then also the timing of when you get your first Griffin is perfect, too, because it comes in... If if Kodash sees all um, made the Griffin at the beginning of your next turn, say, it wouldn't be nearly as good. But, but the fact that it creates a chump blocker before your opponent gets to attack again makes it uh, excellent at just putting a halt to whatever your opponent is doing and then giving you time to get back into the game if you happen to be behind. And if you're at parity, like it's a board stall... Kodash sees all just ends it. That's the, the nail in the coffin. And the only way to get rid of it is for your opponent to randomly be running some dedicated attachment removal. Right. Yeah, I definitely misunderstood this card at first. Like, I didn't, I saw at the start of the cursed player's turn, and I kind of just assumed it was at the start of my turn and not, you know what I mean? Like, I thought it was going to do That's what I thought. Yeah, that's what I thought. Just a seven mana one, one turn one. So I had a game once where I had two Kodash Seas all in my deck, and my final boss for that run was another person who had two Kodash Seas all in their deck, and we both had both of them in play midway <laughs> through the game, and that was it. We made no more attacks. We just sat there until he ran out of cards. <laughs> and you just made two twos every turn. Yeah, just, just making them. Uh, but... It was it was great because uh, we didn't want to get any sort of curse advantage. And uh, he had a, uh, what's it called, a wanted poster on one of my units. And I killed my own unit with one of my spells, like a Felrock's Choice, a good spell. I killed my own unit with it. Got the wanted poster because the Felrock's Choice stole it. Drew him two cards. And then I put a wanted poster on one of his units, thus making my griffins come out as 3-3s. He killed his own unit, <laughs> drew me two cards. It was like we were playing the game backwards. It was amazing. Yeah, that is really cool. And to touch on a thing you just said, I do think, I don't know if you've noticed this more recently, but I think people are playing more and more main deck relic removal. Sometimes, yeah. Uh, I think there's a lot of decks that still aren't running it, but I'm seeing it a little bit more often. I think yeah. people have caught to how... Uh, valuable it is yeah, yeah this card's been... really bad if people are if everyone's dedicating the removal to it but i don't think you're gonna see it a lot i've been very happy recently to put a disjunction in a lot of my decks which is the two-time uh fast spell that kills uh enemy attachment or draws an attachment from your graveyard do you think this is a pack one pick one like or kind of more something you want to get a little later in a pack 
Uh, I haven't settled on exactly when I take it. Uh, I would I would take it pack one, pick one if it's an otherwise weak pack because I I tend to take it fairly high because I think the power level is there for this card. Is there uh, like would the power commons come before this? Like Grodov's favor for in, or for instance? Yeah, I think I'd I'd take a Grodov's favorite over this. Okay. Yeah, I'm not Oofy. sure if I would take a draw strength or not. Actually, uh, draw strength is an immensely powerful card. But I think there's only so many slots for combat tricks, so I, I'm not taking them as high as as some people do because I feel like I'll end up with enough of that kind of effect, even though draw strength is probably the most powerful of that kind of effect. So I, I'm usually kind of a little chill on the draw strengths now more than I used to be. Very cool. I thought this card was dumpster, and now I'm excited to draft it. You got to be careful though because it, it you can still lose a game uh, once this is on the table. Um, and, but uh, if if you're doing anything but like a really dedicated tempo deck, uh, it is nice having one of these at the top end because it's uh, your win is inevitable if you have this in your deck where you can't really say that with any other card. Mm-hmm. All right, Craig. So what is your card of the week? Well, I picked Ardent Convert, which is the one mana one one exalted time card. Yes, and. The reason I picked it is because I I want to know if it's good or not because I've been taking like almost every single one of my time decks I end up with like two or three of these so I'm thinking maybe I'm overvaluing it but I'm not sure because it almost always feels pretty good where it's chip damage early in the game it's a chump blocker it's a pump spell in a sense so I kind of want to know am I crazy am I overvaluing it what do you guys think? Should this even be in my deck? Uh, well, I was thinking about this earlier today because uh, I saw that you had picked this as the card of the week, and my estimation of it has changed a lot. Because I used to have decks that almost always had three or four of these. Uh, I didn't necessarily play all of them, but I would have them in my pool, and then I had to decide how many of them I was going to play. And uh, I have liked it less and less as time has gone on. And that comes down to asking, like, it does all of those things. It does chip damage. Uh, it is kind of a pump spell. There are some really crazy things that you can do with it if you give it a special ability, like Killer or uh, or, or whatever the poison one is. Uh, Death Touch. Deadly. Or... Deadly. Deadly, yeah. Yeah, if you, if you can give it some cool ability and then have it die, you can give all of those abilities to something else and have it be a little bit bigger than it was. So all of that stuff does work. The question is whether that's worth an entire draw step because uh, you've got only so many precious, precious draw steps. And is this 1-1 one, one that is sometimes a 1-1 one, one weapon and can potentially get some really cool uh, combinations if you happen to have just the right cards? Is it worth a slot in your deck because it does exactly what is advertised but i think it's still only about one power's worth of effect on the game so i find myself cutting it for cards that have more individual impact a lot of the time like maybe more of like maybe like a hyper aggressive deck you might be more likely to play a few or a muster synergy deck type of thing but does this trigger renown yes, uh, yes. if you were to play the weapon on a renowned creature it would trigger renown okay so like yeah, no, I think you're right, because at first I was playing, I was literally playing three of these on average in a deck, and now I found myself cutting it down to two most of the time, but I think it, a lot of the time it's probably right to miss turn one to play some better value cards, because it's not like 
most a lot of these games from my experience go to parity maybe it's the way i draft but usually it's not like a race for me so mm-hmm. maybe you're right i i think what i would say about this card is really does well if you do have sacrifice synergies and there are a lot of those in this set you know there's a lot of shadow cards that like to sacrifice things so that that helps it a lot and i will say in your defense I think this card overperforms how it reads. So, like, this card never really... It does not often make my decks because when I just, like, look at it in my deck list, I'm like, this really just seems like the worst card in my deck, and so I cut it often. But whenever it does make my deck, I'm always pleasantly surprised. But that I'm never pleasantly surprised enough to the next draft want to put it back in my deck yeah usually one mana one ones aren't my style so i was surprised that i fell in love with this card so much but i really do like exalted exalted but speaking of one mana one ones with upside yeah (laughs) yeah exactly wow you're bringing segues into this show um (laughs) so yeah my card of the week this week is prancing griffin which is the one justice one one flying summon you may give another unit flying this turn and the reason i wanted to bring this up is if someone could explain to me why the discord likes this card so much yeah i think it's a divisive card in the discord uh, some people are are not interested in in it at all uh some people have very harsh words for it and then some people think it's a staple of of any justice deck so that's I... a pretty wide disparity yeah, before uh, the expert, because Hats, you're an expert, let's face it. Before you go, I want to try my hand at this. All right, okay. do it. I like the card. I don't think it's incredible, but I think a lot of the time it's going to be your 25th card. Like, it's going to be the one that you're kind of, am I putting this in the deck or not? And for me, the reason I like it is that it's a one-mana, one-one flying, which on its own is not great, but it is going to give pressure, right? You're going you're gonna to get in. No matter what, you're going to get in for a few hits with it. And then I think something really that there's not a lot of in this game is reach. Like, especially this set, there's not a lot of reach. Now, you suppose you have a Grodal's favor out. The board's in parity. You top deck this. You essentially, like, if they don't have the big flyers or whatever, you kind of just drew uh, either a kill spell for one of their flyers because they'll have to block it, or you're dealing an extra six damage to the face because you're getting in with a minion that otherwise is just going to kind of get chump blocked and stuff like that so i don't think it's a great card but i do think that it's versatile enough that it's gonna make it into your deck i kind of put it in i put it in the similar power level as uh as the exalted dude we were just talking about that's what i have about it so hats tell me why i'm wrong no i wouldn't tell you that you're wrong i think that's a perfectly valid way to look at it i would personally uh value it usually a little bit higher than ardent convert because I think I like to ask myself if the card has a specific purpose in the deck, mm-hmm. and Prancing Griffin often does, especially if you have weapons that can make it a dangerous flyer, or if you are playing a pretty aggressive deck where the reach is meaningful. Like if you're going to get in a lot of board stalls with your deck because you have a lot of sort of defensive ground creatures, and then you're going to win with chip damage in the air because of flyers, I don't think Griffin is great because that big six damage to the face from a Grodov's favored. Um, isn't going to make the difference between you winning or losing. 
But if you're playing and to put a whole lot of pressure on your opponent and attack a lot with your with your mastery cards, say, and it's going to make a big difference to get that last mastery hit in, or you're gonna you're probably going to get your opponent down to a pretty low life total where that big six damage in the face is actually going to win the game. And I think Griffin's uh, going way up in value. So. I mean, it goes with Grodov's favored very well because that's one of the big commons that you're likely to be able to smack your opponent in the face with. But I would say the big difference for me is weapons for Griffin because little flyers are so much better with weapons. Um, like it's, We should compare this with another card which everybody considers completely unplayable, which is Humbug. Uh, that's the 1-1 flyer in time for one, and no one, no one plays it. So <laughs> really the, da- the difference is that you get to do a bunch of damage with a ground unit when you play Prancing Griffin. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have mastery, mastery synergy or big units that are definitely going to win the game if they get to attack in the air or something like that, I don't think Prancing Griffin is better than Humbug. Not significantly enough where you would t- play it in your deck. But there's a lot of cases where you do have enough mastery and enough and and enough aggression in your deck that that flying damage will will make a difference or weapons. So then it's quite good. What you had, what you said on Discord about thinking of Prince and Griffin as reach, like or if you know if your deck doesn't have enough like reach spells or combat tricks to allow you to like win combat, you know Prince and Griffin can kind of like slot in into that role in your deck where it's a unit but it kind of it it doesn't really function as a unit per se yeah it's more like a combat trick than a unit in a lot of ways but again weapons make a difference i think there's a lot of good weapons in this format for units very few for uh very few that are relic weapons but for units a lot of the weapons are quite good and then you know you sometimes you have a critical mass of those where any flyer you have is is much 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 better so mm-hmm. that makes a difference too i'm not high on the card uh it is still a one one flyer for one but there's definitely situations where i i, I want to be taking them but that also puts me in a position where in in pack one i don't know what kind of deck i'm playing yet usually by the end of it so i usually don't end up with a bunch of prancing griffins because i don't know if i need them it's a really interesting card because it seems to be one of the most divisive cards in the set. So just thought I'd highlight that here. So we're going to move to seven win run breakdown here. Uh, this is our longstanding data collection project here at Farming Eternal, where our listeners mail us their seven win drafts to farmingeternal at gmail.com or post them in our seven win channel in the Farming Eternal Discord which you can do in as an export deck list or any kind of Eternal Warcry link. And then we take this information, we compile it into a spreadsheet, and that gives us, um, and then we share the spreadsheet to everyone. And those spreadsheets kind of tell us what factions are doing well, as well as uh, what cards are doing well. Um, and so you can look at those and just see, you know, what cards are showing up in everyone's seven win deck lists. The marginal benefit you get for that besides for those spreadsheets, is me reading your names. So here we go. New contributor this week is 400th, who sent in two deck lists, as well as a load of veteran contributors. So thank you, Apricot Knight, Beard Broken, Ben Gracer, Celtic Seven Guardian, Collector, Darth Herman, Fang Warb, Gato Sujo, Hats on Lamps, Jed the Hominid, Joey Andy Juve, Jose Carlos 2121, Cassandrith, 
Murder of Crows, Out on a Limb, Parmalee, Patamaru, PKTT, Raven Dragon, Spiffy Man, Starstorm, Stevie Lundy, Tarzan, Tempest Dragon King, Winter Mute, and Yam Yam. Thank you again for sending in deck lists. And then I didn't really prepare anything uh, related to this. We usually do, but I think we have a lot of show left ahead of us. So we're going to go straight into our main topic. I guess this is this is all you, Craig. Okay, well, basically, I wrote, because uh, there's probably people here like, what's this guy doing here? He barely plays. Exactly. I'm here because I emailed uh, I emailed Patrick and said, Patrick, I'm lost. I'm getting a, uh, a little bit of the hang of it. I'm learning how to play. I found your show. It's incredible. I've listened to all 39 episodes. You wouldn't even believe it. And then he said, oh, wow, like, like I could use a new player on the show. And I said, well, please, me. And I came on, and I'm here to ask so many questions so that I can learn how this game actually works. And uh, for some of you guys who have been in this forever, maybe you'll pick up something but for you know the guys finding the show, and maybe this is your second, third, fourth episode, you're gonna be thrilled that I'm here today. Yeah, but I do actually think um, that there will be some helpful stuff for people who've played a long time because we actually just had this in the Discord recently, where someone was like said something about how the draft packs are determined, and I was like, "Well, that's not actually correct." And I think you know, Direwolf, this is a uh, Communication is one of the main complaints people have about Direwolf, and they do not do, I think, a very good job of spelling things out for people. People really have to – there's no sort of repository or place you can look for for like a lot of this information, and a lot of it is just like, oh, I heard a developer say this once three years ago, and that's all the information we have about it. Gotcha. Um, so we're going to try to – consolidate a lot of that information about draft here today cool so well i'll get it started then basically i asked you patch i i am here to ask you uh how are draft packs determined because i asked my friend and he said to me it's asynchronous and i'm like oh cool that helps a lot like i know asynchronous means it's not at the same time that's all i know i'm i came in here assuming that the draft packs were bots that was my assumption uh magic arena that's how it works there uh, yeah, it's it's difficult to uh, figure out how to word this exactly, but I'll just jump in and see if I can explain it. Um, basically, uh, when you start a draft, you see those 12 cards in front of you, and then after you take a card from that pack, there's 11 cards left, but the game is going to remember those 11 cards and store them in, in memory somewhere. And then as you continue through your draft, it's going to save... Uh, a, a, each one of those packs that you've taken a card from. And another person down the line, uh, when they start their draft, they'll take their first card, but then the 11 cards they see might be the pack that you first took a card from. Uh, so this can happen any time down the line. I have no idea how long it takes for a pack to get reused. Um, but from then on, every, every pack that player sees is going to be the same as... Uh, the packs that you were passing during that draft. Um, so basically, it's as though you are passing a pack to your left to the same person for that entire draft, except that person only sees that pack later once they've started their draft. Thus, it's asynchronous. You do your whole draft, that player uh, does their draft later 
uh, uh, playing off of the results of your choices. And that's true for pack one and for pack four. And so what that means for you is when you get your 11 cards, that's a pack that someone picked a card from sometime in the past. And so you're getting past all of the packs that this person A, this past person A, received and then passed to you. And so these are all packs from the same person at some unspecified time in the past. So if my first pack was from from you, then my eighth pack is also like my sorry, the first pack, if my first pick, my second pick was the card that was your first pack, then my eighth pack is also going to be a pack you saw, correct? Yeah, exactly. And everyone that drafted in there basically would be the same like so it kind of keeps going back so like when you're picking when you see your 12th pick and there's just one card left 11 people have picked from that pack and All before that it was the same 10 people and before that it was the same nine people yeah okay and right. so it's really hard to know just how far in the past that first person was because each of them you know, each of those people kind of have to go further and further back in the past. Cool. That's a really awesome. I actually really like that system because like in magic, you, you draw from bots when you play online. Yes. And the problem with that is I think draft is always the best thing about draft when it comes to balancing draft is that it's a self-correcting format mm-hmm. where, you know, if something's too good, well, it's not going to be too good anymore because uh, hat's going to grab the, the good players are going to take the best cards in that color. But with the bots and other games, like if they don't update the bots, it's always going to be the best in this game. Like white might be incredible, but then if everyone realizes that, then you're going to get cut a lot off a lot more often from white. So I like that. Is it the same thing with pack uh, two? like just the other way? It is. Uh, it's a different person that you're going to be getting packs from. And it gets a little mysterious here, and Patrick, maybe you know more about this than I do. I haven't been playing the game consistently for like its entire existence, but the way they choose who you get the next the the uh, pack two from is based on some sort of algorithm based on the signals that you've sent. So, like if you send a lot of cards on of a particular color uh, or of a particular faction then there's some sort of algorithm that tries to uh, pick players that aren't going to be interfering in the factions that you've chosen. They're going to try to find someone who was picking factions that you passed during the first pack. I don't know how that works, but they've said that that's a factor. I don't wow, think it how works. kind. It's kind. Also, it doesn't seem to work at all because you, co- you, you get constantly packs two and three that don't seem to have anything to do with the signals that you've sent. So I don't know how well it works. Maybe it works and I'm not noticing that it works, uh, but uh, it seems to be a situation where you might get almost anything from packs two and three. It does seem to be very inconsistent. You know, I haven't drafted enough, say, live magic or magic on um, on magic online to really know how different like signals work in in that game but it does seem like sometimes it pack two and three are unexpected <laughs> yeah in magic it's similar where packs one and three 
are incredibly important to know what color is open. Like, if you can't figure out what color is open, you're not going to be a good enough drafter. And then pack two, there's only three packs. Pack two is like, you, you hope, you, you kind of want to find what's open, but you're only getting passed from that person once. So it doesn't hurt as much. But definitely, I think signals are just as important in Magic as they are in this game. In this game, it does seem like they're important, but also in this game, I I feel like I get a more playable deck a little more often. Maybe I'm just lucky, but uh, it's very similar like that. Yeah, and I think there's sort of two things that you can get from this. One is, and this is a key difference from how Magic is traditionally drafted, is that because it's asynchronous there's no wheeling so like we like we talked about your 12 pack will have been seen by 11 other people so unlike in magic where you pick your eight you know you go through eight packs and then the ninth pack is the pack is the pack that you started with that's not how it is in eternal and so that i do think makes it a little hard to get like definitive signals because when you're looking at your original pack in Magic, you can be like, oh, well, people took these cards out of this pack, so I know there are people drafting these colors. That is not true in Eternal. In and this then, game, you're kind of looking at what isn't there rather than being able to say, oh, this is still there. Yes. And then the other key difference, like we kind of mentioned, is in Eternal, it goes... Pack one is the new set. Pack two and three are draft packs, which are a curated pack of cards. And then pack four is draft packs. So it's not this ABAB format. It's an ABBA format, which also, I think, affects how you draft. One is it makes certain mechanics often, like in this example, like in this set, decimate a little worse because... There's not really any synergy for that in pack two and three. I think the other thing that how the draft packs work and how they affect things is there's sort of two strategies you can go in in this with how because sending signals is theoretically important. So you can like try to be aggressively cut off a color and then hopefully in pack two and three get your second color because like hat said sometimes the algorithm doesn't seem to work and a totally different thing can be open and so if you leave pack one solidly in a single color you're more free to like figure out what's open in pack two and three because you aren't already committed to two colors or you know the other strategy is to leave pack one super open where you've sort of just drafted the best cards in every color. So then you can let pack two and three sort of dictate a little bit more strongly what your two main colors are going to be. I'll yeah. never send signals to the AI because I just don't trust it, I guess. Like, I don't buy it. They say yeah. it's this great algorithm, but like, I don't know about that. <laughs> the algorithm is also doing the best it can with whatever it's got in the memory banks right now, you know, like, if it can't come up with a draft with a lot of the right faction colors available to you, then it just will. I don't know. I'm uh, 
uh, I'm anthropomorphizing it a little bit, but it'll <laughs> it'll just it'll just try to please you as well as it can. Uh, and maybe it doesn't have the tools at its disposal right now. I don't know how many drafts are in the bank. It could be just like twelve that they seed uh, that they seed a, uh, a a draft format with at the beginning, and then it's just cycling through those. Uh, and then it's got maybe around like 20 at any given time, which is not enough for the algorithm to work properly. I, without Direwolf telling us exactly how it works, we don't know. So this one's a big one, and I'm not trying to help the competition here, Patrick. Don't get mad. But uh, where else can I find draft resources? Because this is the only place that I have so far. And not saying it's not enough, but... There's only 39 episodes. I'll run out one day. So where else can I find some stuff to, like, hone my craft? Eternal is very much like Hearthstone, I think, in this regard, compared to Magic a little bit, where there's a lot less written content for Eternal than there is in, say, Magic, which has a lot of written resources. And so the main place, I think, to get quality content is from streamers. Um, And there are a few draft focused streamers uh to give you a list of names uh this is not comprehensive but sort of what i came up with there's uh Kassendrith, who streams uh weeknights and weekends uh there's kalebovich who streams really early in the morning at least eastern standard time and there's e moneybags who streams randomly as far as i can tell and those three are really good drafters and are really helpful they explain their plays they interact with chat so they're a really good resource if you just want to watch draft and ask questions. Um, there are a few places that do tier lists. Um, the two that I know of are there's a drafting focused eternal team called Team Draft Chaft or TDC. And they release a tier list every set as a big spreadsheet. And they have a few members. So they compile you know, the numbers for all their members. And they kind of make this spreadsheet where you can kind of at least get a, a number sense of what cards good drafters think are good or bad. And then Kalebovich also releases a tier list with each set, as well as sort of a draft primer for that set. So, um, and he also actually does at least a semi-weekly draft articles uh, for Team Rankstar, which is another eternal team. So, so if you go to Team Rankstar's website, uh, website, you'll often see Klobovich's articles. And so he is a very good drafter and he produces a lot of, he produces more or less the only written draft content. Oh, cool. I'm going to check it out. Do you guys do a uh, set review show? Yes, sort of. Do sort of like a set primer show. And we did one for this format. I don't know what number it is off the top of my head. And then there's also Jedi EJ. Um, he is, he more or less does everything. He, he does a streams he has a podcast called eternal journey he also is one of the few people currently who releases um youtube draft content so he's also another person to check out and then the other few things that i would recommend more so than reddit eternal does have a pretty thriving main eternal discord which has a draft channel which a lot of people do contribute to and are very helpful and so in that channel, you can like post pictures of your draft, like and ask what would other people pick, or post put a deck list up, a picture of a deck list up, and people suggest cuts and stuff. 
And there are a lot of very good drafters that sort of read that channel and will suggest things. And then for self-promotion, we also, the podcast, have a Discord. And there are a lot of good drafters, people like Hats, who are happy to help. And we have, and we're one of the, I think, only draft-focused discords for Eternal. And so we have a lot of channels, so we, you can get very targeted help, sort of depending on what kind of help you need with your draft. Yeah, I would love, like, me, if I was going to join a draft, like, discord i would want something where i could like put different like put my screenshot my pack and find out what the pick is for instance or or like i could talk about my format change thoughts or give feedback to an episode or something like that would be the kind of thing i would love yeah well do i have the place for you so anyway i do i mean i know it's our discord but i it is a really helpful place and i think we have fostered a very positive and friendly attitude it's besides for me complaining about all my losing recently you know everyone is always saying you know good game and like really encouraging each other so i think even just for the community it's a great place to be nice well that's awesome and i'm happy because it was really every time i looked up anything about this game I got an article from 2018. So I'm not saying that your game's dead. I'm just saying it's hard to find stuff. And I'm really happy that I can find more stuff now. Um, next, this one, I don't think we should spend too much time on it. Because I'm probably the only person who isn't so sure about this stuff. But uh, I kind of wanted to get an idea about the colors in the game. because I, I'm calling them colors, but I think they're factions. Is that correct? Factions, yes. Yeah, because in Magic, you can tell this game's heavily heavily inspired by magic but the color pie is different like the the colors are not the same in magic it's so fire uh it's very similar to red and magic but uh generally it's a color a faction that's about uh aggression and uh a lot of its units are are small and attack well uh they often have charge which lets them attack on the turn when they are summoned uh it has a lot of weapons to make your units attack even better uh, and it often has Overwhelm, which lets your units uh, uh, hit the opposing player through their defenses. And, uh, and, it has a, and it has a temporary power ramp ability as well, which I, I believe Magic the Gathering also has for, for yeah, Red. Yeah, like ritual yeah. effects where you gain the mana right. for just the turn. Yeah, yeah. so it, it has that, uh, which is not really a factor in draft very often, but of course it is in Constructed. Um, and then Whoa, every now and then... Well, the motive, anyone. Exactly. That's the, that's the best example of a really good ramp card for draft. And then I would say the other thing is Fire has damage-based removal, and so it is one of the primary removal colors. Um, yeah, it's just harder to deal with huge stuff. Exactly. Uh, so time is permanent power ramp or power ramp that's attached to a unit on the board, um, and then and then big big old units uh, basically uh, like the the sentinels and giants of the game, and uh, it doesn't often have direct removal. Usually you have to give killer to one of your units uh, and kill something smaller with it, uh, or else silence, which is an effect that magic doesn't have. Um, but it's primarily in time and secondarily in justice. And yeah, it's a little weird calling the color yellow. It's easier to call it white because yellow seems like an odd color for a faction to be, but it's it's technically yellow. It is more yellow. Can I tell you that silence confused the 
living bejeebies yeah. out of me when I first started playing. Because in Hearthstone, silence changes everything on the card. Where in this game, I think it only changes the text. It doesn't change the buffs that the minion right. has. Exactly. Oh my god, I can't tell you. To this day, I still lose some game. And like bouncing something back to its hand doesn't uh, doesn't change the power and toughness of the card back to its base stats. Holy mo- I said this is too confusing. <laughs> yeah. I don't get it. It's a lot more internally consistent than Hearthstone because that was one of the things about Hearthstone was that it was really difficult to tell when something was a permanent change and when it wasn't, at least for me, coming from Magic. Uh, this was actually a lot more intuitive for me, but they operate totally differently. Justice uh, or Green, I guess it does do a little bit of everything. Yeah, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't have exactly ramp, but it does have the ability to draw sigils uh, out of your deck. Um, it has it has strange removal that has specific conditions like being able to kill a unit that doesn't have any combat abilities. Uh, I guess it does sort of cover everything, and but it they do have justice does have the best combat tricks. Usually, um, they they get the combat tricks that let your that let your unit survive combat because they increase its toughness. And uh, right now they have draw strength, which is uh, clearly the best combat trick in the format. So primal or blue uh, is the color of uh, well it it has it has a lot of flying units and it has a lot of deck manipulation like card draw and it has often in draft it gets stuck as sort of the synergy faction where it is a splashable faction that sort of makes the others run a little bit better. And uh, it's, so that's sort of a perennial problem in Eternal Draft, where Primal doesn't seem to have a cohesive identity. And that's certainly true in this one. They have a lot of muster cards, uh, a lot of units that, that, that have muster on them, so you can increase their size or do other things. Uh, but those are heavily dependent on what other cards you have. And there's almost no commons in primal in this format at least in the in the new set the flames of zolta set that operate really well on their own however it's uncommons tend to be some of the best ones in a draft format so you'll get these big beefy flyers you'll get your sapphire dragons and your your uh your your three three killer flyers and all kinds of things that make it very attractive as a draft faction um except that the, you, you probably will need to have your commons be in a different faction than your uncommons. Mm-hmm. Which can sometimes be a challenge because often their really good uncommons are double primal. Yes. Yeah, they're not splashable. So it's, it's a challenge. That's part of the draft that I was telling you about that I'm in the middle of right now is I have to play my primal flyers because I don't have enough playables otherwise. But... I cannot splash the color because they are all double influence. Yes. Yeah. And then I think the other key difference between if you do come from Magic is the card draw, I think, is worse in Eternal than in Magic, often. Like right now, we have a three-power fast spell that draws two discard ones. You're not even getting up a card. And then also... Counter spells are much, much worse in Eternal than they are in Magic because they do not hit creatures. You don't. There's no response window to creatures, and so 
they're a lot more sort of limited in their scope. Oh, none of your counter spells hit creatures? No counter spell can hit a creature. Well, that's going to be huge when they introduce that. I don't think they can easily right now because you don't have a response window for a creature. Okay. Does blue have bounce? Uh, no, that's, I think that's strictly in time. time. Yeah, they have, blue has a lot of stun effects. Yes. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, freezing or yeah. stunning, yeah. And then what about shadow or purple? A shadow or purple is uh, very similar to magic's black because it is the color of hard removal. A lot of the spells completely remove a unit, any unit, uh, and it has interaction with the void or the graveyard, uh, bringing cards back from it. Um, it also has some discard effects, not so many in this format, but often uh, it has discard. You can you can discard your opponent's cards. Um, and also its creatures tend to be very aggressive. They have high attack and low defense, and they have quick shot so that they can attack safely into your opponent's army. Yeah, it's a quick draw, by the way. Cool. So here's, here's my next one. I know, like, in Magic... I'm sorry for everyone if I'm referencing magic, but I'm sure a lot of you probably came from it. But uh, in magic, a lot of the time you could look at a set and you could look at the 10 dual colored uncommons and have an idea of where each archetype lies. And in this set, I noticed that the 10 uh, commons that are dual colored kind of, for the most part, let you know, like, okay, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. There's a couple of exceptions, like Cinder Dragon is like, kind of telling you a little bit but not it's more just a guy but a lot of these guys tend to say like go in this direction go in this direction like white blue guy is a one two flyer with muster and and uh i'm and i'm curious if this is a trend or is this a coincidence like when the, when the next set drops am i likely able to look at that common slot for uh for guidance or what do you guys think well i uh i haven't drafted that many sets in eternal so i don't know if uh i don't know how much of a trend it is in their design they the those those cards do match the the overall faction identity pretty well even if they don't always match the most effective way to to draft that faction combination they certainly represent the theme uh that 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 faction pairing is, is 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 trying to go with. So yeah, I think they do. I think maybe they did the best job in this set of any set that I've personally drafted in Eternal of defining what the faction pairing is supposed to be about. Like for example, um, the Fire Justice common is uh, is acclaimed artisan who is an oni. He gives bonuses to other onis and also uh, gets exalted with uh, with mastery. And those are all themes uh, that both Fire and Justice have a lot of. They have Muster, they have a lot of Onis, and it's also supported by packs two and three because they just stuffed as many Onis as they could in there. So if you start out with a bunch of acclaimed artisans somehow in the first pack, usually you, you can follow that Oni theme or a Mastery theme where you're trying to enhance your Mastery units. Um, and 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 your deck will will end up playable and and probably uh, the most powerful single archetype in the uh, in the whole set when it comes together. Sometimes it doesn't, and then you just have some random stuff. Um, but it's still like one of those one of those little sub themes is going to pay off. Um, uh, in contrast, there is the Skycrag common, 
which is uh, Wizened, Cra uh, Wizened Crone, uh, the two one that gives spell power to all of your spells. Does all of your spells do plus one damage? And, I hate that card. Yeah, it's a rough card. It's it's a it's a disappointment. Uh, mainly because they were too cautious with all of the damage spells, and so you you don't really get any reward for taking a bunch of crones and then trying to get a bunch of damage spells because there simply aren't enough of them and they're not efficient enough. It's possible to make a, a good spell damage set. I think we've had one submitted to Farming Eternal that was <laughs> so that's possible, but it's so difficult because it's not supported in sets two and three. There aren't any common um, cards that increase spell damage. There are a few uncommons and rares, but uh, it's it's it, you're taking a sheer chance uh, on on whether you're going to see them. And also, I think decimate is another good example. Uh, the uh, the one for the one for Argentport unit that uh, that lets you decimate for free uh, without reducing your maximum power. It's a one four for two, which is which strongly suggests you should be playing for value and defense like you're going to grind games out by getting that decimate value um there's not that much in there's not for one thing there's not enough support for decimate uh if you're across four packs but also not that much support for that overall strategy in those factions it's possible to put together that deck but it's so hard to go back to your original question is is this representative of most of Eternal Drafts formats? And I would say no. I think this is, at least since set four, the first set that really had these signpost dual faction cards. Like, um, for example, the last set, set six, was Dark Frontier. And that was also a two-faction format. But it was a two-faction format in the sense that they had a lot of high influence cross cards and not a lot of fixing, but there were no two faction signpost cards. There was almost no two faction cards in the whole format, actually. Oh, and okay. so, so there was nothing like that to really signal what your pairings should be besides for at sort of sur surmising it from the common, the single faction commons. Then the set before that, set five, that was a three faction format. And so there were, um, and there were just five of the three factions. And those five all did sort of have a signpost uncommon that kind of explained that three factions main mechanic and what it was doing. Um, and so there was a bit more signposting in that one. And then set four, uh, also did not really have any signpost commons or uncommons. So now your next point, you, I'm just going to say right now, I come from Hearthstone and you mentioned that Forge is very similar to Arena, so it's probably a good place to start. I'm just going to say Arena is everyone's least favorite thing about Hearthstone. <laughs> I'm speaking in very generally, clearly, but it's the worst. It's the worst limited format in the whole world. Your draft format is incredible, but I did come here and I think I did get Masters and Forge because it's just the rewards are so good and it's so cheap to play that it's worth it. Yeah, well, Forge is, like you, like I, I said, is um, pretty close to the Hearthstone Arena format where you it shows you three cards, you get to pick a card, and how it works in Eternal is 
all your forge decks will be two factions. And so the first card you pick will lock you into one faction. And then over the next few picks, you'll get a card in that one faction to pick from, as well as um, a couple cards in a different faction, until you finally pick a card in a second faction, in which case it then locks your second faction. And then after the fifth or sixth pick, it will force you to pick a second faction by no longer offering you a card in your original faction. And... um, and then for the rest of the picks, all the cards will just be of those two factions. Like you said, it is not the most, the deepest format in Eternal. And all your opponents are bots, um, unlike Draft where you're playing against other humans. But it is a good way to learn the basics of Eternal as well as... Um, build a collection. Build a collection, learn the cards. Um, so I do think it has uses. And if you're not familiar with uh drafting like if you don't have a magic background i do think it is a good way to sort of get used to to limited absolutely for sure i think i think everyone who plays eternal uh, pretty much only plays forge uh, until they exhaust all of the really good rewards and then they stop because you can't make your gold back uh, after after a certain point. Yeah, that is true. I will say sometimes if I'm in a really spotty connection and I don't want to play Gauntlet, I will sometimes do a Forge or when I'm Ew. trying to put my kids down to sleep because you don't have a timer in your games. All right, and then I think the final thing that we wanted to talk about is just some sort of drafting and deck building basics. Uh, okay, uh, yeah, here's some, here's, some, here's some basic advice for drafting. Uh, I wish I'd known this when I started, because I was sort of trying to apply magic rules, and uh, for one thing, it was a minimum of 45 cards rather than 40, so I had, to, um, I had to adjust the numbers on everything. So, uh, yeah, when you're drafting, it's, it's usually good to try to stick to two factions. Um, splashing a, a third faction uh, is not difficult if you know what you're doing, but it does make your deck less uh, less consistent, and uh, it's usually simpler to try to stick to two factions. Um, you, you'll get your you'll be able to play your deck. You'll be able to play your cards much more consistently that way. Uh, you won't be stretching to just play every card that looks shiny. Um, and uh, you probably want eighteen dedicated power cards, or if you're coming from Magic lands, um, because. Uh, there's a lot of little twists to this, but basically you're playing 45 cards instead of 40. I think the standard for lands in Magic was 17, and 18 seems like it would make sense uh, if you're going up to 45. Um, it, it, it's not a direct ratio, but because Eternal's um, mulligan system is very generous and incredible, guarantees you to get a hand with 2 to 4 power if you send your first hand back, um, you're not at risk of just not drawing more than one power the same way uh, that you would be um, if it if it weren't so generous. Yeah, I always play unless I'm playing a really like top heavy deck, and maybe I'm wrong here, but it seems to be I've never have too many mana issues. I always play 17, 17 lands if I have good enough cards because I I feel like like it is such a forgiving system that you're the fact that you're guaranteed two lands is incredible to me like 
It's just life is so nice. Yeah, I'm I'm generally on board with with 18 and that would be my recommendation. When I play 17, I get stuck at 4 far too often for me to be comfortable okay. doing that. But there are decks where I'll play 17 uh if my curve is pretty low and I have a little bit like I have some some looting abilities, you know, or scout or something. Do you ever that, go down to 16? Uh, very rarely. Yeah, but that is the majority opinion. I will say there are some people that swear by 17 lands. Um, and there are people that will play even less, um, depending on how strict the color requirements or how top-heavy the deck is. Because color requirements is another factor. You know, you are not... You're going to have a lot harder time casting, getting all of your colors, if, say, you're a three-color deck and you're only playing 17 lands. And we have received deck lists in the seven wins with 15 power before. Well, if you curve, if your curve ends at three, like that would be uh, probably powerful. Yes. Not good necessarily, but powerful. Yes. It, it's definitely powerful. You know, the other tricky part with that is... I'm always a little unclear on how good, like, pure aggressive decks are because you do start with five more life than you do in Magic, so... Yeah, your minions are over... are higher... Your minions are more efficiently statted in this game as well, though, in the early game. Like, in mm -hmm. Magic, you don't see two mana three twos almost ever, you know, and here this game, you're getting two mana three twos with upside. So I think the general consensus is 18 power in most decks. Cool. But also, uh, that's one of the reasons why cards like Seek Power are so good, um, which is the spell that allows you to, to choose a basic sigil from your deck and add it to your hand, is that that lets you play less sigils um, without really... With no cost, like essentially. Yeah, at basically no cost, plus it increases whatever influence that you want. Yeah. Um, I, I I play Seek Power in my deck even if it's only two factions and I'm not going to have any trouble reaching my influence requirements uh, just because uh, it, it, there's almost no penalty for doing that. And you would trim a land for that every time? I absolutely would, yes. So hypothetically speaking, you have uh, you somehow ended up with three Seek Powers in your deck. Are you then willing to go down to 15 lands? I would be. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Because in Magic, you would never be able to do that because you're if you start with that Seek Power in your hand, you lose the game. But in this game, you're guaranteed Sigils in your hand, so that Seek Power is always going to be either a top deck or an extra land in your opening hand. Yeah, That exactly. is really cool, and I love that. Yeah, like we said on one of our on on one of the podcasts, the, if if a pack has a seek power in it, it's not a weak pack. Yeah, and I heard you say that. I never considered the Mulligan system, so I was a little surprised, and now it makes perfect sense to me. All right, so another uh, another tip: you probably want between seventeen and twenty-two units in your deck, and then some interactive spells. You don't want to just pack your entire deck with units uh because if you're playing just units and your opponent is playing units plus tricks and weapons and spells they're probably going to win because they have more options um i would say 22 is pretty high i don't think i've ever played a draft deck that had actually 22 units um, yeah neither have i um people do that's why i that's why i bumped that number sure. up yeah that high but uh, on the other hand people play decks with 15 units um 
and that's getting a little low for me. Yeah, I think so. I feel a little uncomfortable at 15, even if I have to start putting uh, bad units in my deck. Uh, it's usually better to get some presence on the board. Yes. And I guess the the reason I kind of put such a high top end number is for people who are really new to draft, I would say it's better to err on too many units than too few. Oh, yeah. yeah at least you get to play games. Yeah. Yeah, I run into less experienced players on the ladder, uh, or during draft rather, sometimes, who have not learned that yet, and they end up they end up playing a lot of cards that are incapable of winning the game on their own, um, because they only would have an effect if they already had units on the board, and they learn a harsh lesson <laughs> that they need to be playing things that can't. Technically, every unit in the game that has attack power. Uh, can win the game all by itself if nothing else happens. <laughs> so Correct. you want those cards in your deck. Yep. And then our final point, I think, is to pay attention to curve. I think you want to start with about six-ish, two drops. And then as you go up the curve, three drops, four drops, you have fewer and fewer of each up the line. And you don't want to play too many six or seven drops because you don't want to get those... You don't want to have an opening hand of three six drops because you're probably not winning that game. So pay attention to curve when you're doing it. And then for this format specifically, and we've talked about this before, there seems to be a lot of good two drops and a lot of good five drops. And so you can kind of get clogged up at those numbers. And, you know, you want to pay attention and make sure that you are sort of finding your three and four drops when you can because you don't want all two drops, because the second your opponent plays a 3-3, you're in trouble. And then also, you don't want too many five drops, because it's very similar to six drops, where you're not always guaranteed to hit five on five, and so your hands can get pretty clunky if you have too many five drops. Moving on to our draft segment. So Craig just offered to put himself out and... um, screenshot a draft so we're gonna try not to be too harsh and uh listeners keep this in mind he's just getting into the game and oh be harsh yeah (laughs) i'm planning to be very harsh i love it (laughs) but uh so pick uh pack one pick one cards of contention there is because he's a lucky guy uh shenra unbreakable which is the one justice two one legendary creature which is invulnerable to damage on your turn. You can't, but you can't play weapons or curses. But then at mastery, it gets plus three, plus three, and endurance. Then there's also a dread hellkite, which is the four shadow shadow four three flying deadly, and on summon plays a cowardice and it cannot block. There's a Grodov, Grodov's favored. There's a draw strength and an intrepid longhorn. And Craig, what did you take? Okay. First, I wanted to say that I might be wrong here because I so I took the legendary, the two uh, one, sure, sure not sure raw, but sure in my and that was the pick I took. Obviously, I I took it because I'm new to the game and I do need to build a bit of a collection and dust stuff so that I can build competitive decks that are fast that let me get back to drafting because that's all I care about in this game. And um, I think, though, if I wasn't on a budget, I would have took uh, either Kordov's Favor or uh, or uh, the, the two-mana 3-3. Three, three. So I don't know. Was that wrong? Is the one-mana just the best card? So I haven't encountered this one in draft. 
but uh, I would take it here because I haven't played with it and it looks potentially very powerful. Um, being able to attack for free, uh, it's already a good stat line for, for a one-drop. Uh, two one for one is fine. That often gets outclassed in draft, um, but uh, the, the reason it gets outclassed is it's unable to attack into something with three health, whereas Shenra can, and, and it only has to continues. attack... And yeah, the mastery continues, and it eventually becomes a very scary thing for an investment of only one power. Uh, Grodov's favorite is 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 always a fine pick. Um, I usually don't take Intrepid Longhorn uh, right away because I end up not playing it if I don't end up in that faction pairing. Um, but also, I don't. It's a very very powerful card, so you don't mind having it. Uh, but here I would take the legendary because I think it wins games all by itself. I agree. I would take the legendary. Uh, again, it's hard to know if it's actually better than Gradov's Favored. But, you know, we've had experience with a similar card. There is the uh, 2 Justice 2-1 two that's invulnerable to damage on your turn. And that's not a great card, but it's an annoying card. What and if it costs half as much and had incredible upside? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And the fact that eventually this will get... You know, this is... If it lives 100% getting its mastery in four turns because it you can attack no matter what their board is every single turn and it, your opponent has to has to block it you know what i mean or else you're dealing two damage and so another nice effect of this effect is that your opponent it allows you to get more damage in because even if your opponent is blocking this it just means they have one less blocker for other things. Um, so I think it it's I think it's probably a, a pretty good card and definitely worth picking up. All right, so now moving to um, pack one, pick two, cards in contention. There is an Omri's Choice, which is the Combray Choice card, which gives plus three, plus three, and Overwhelm, or silences an attacking unit and bounces it to hand. There's a Nahid's Choice, which is the Xenon Choice card, which uh, you draw two cultists or the opponent discards a spell. And there's a Draw Strength. Um, and so what did you take here? Yeah, I on this on this pack, I did pick Draw Strength. Um, mostly, I don't know if I would have came to that conclusion, but just listening to you guys the last couple of weeks, you talked about how good Draw Strength was. So that was kind of obvious. Just the bet you, your listeners voted it the best green common. So I kind of figured that was the pick here. I do like the green white card, and that's a card that I do pick kind of highly. But obviously, I picked a green card first pick, so it's safer to take the draw strength second pick. And maybe objectively, it's a better card. I'm not sure. I don't know if silence is good, but I think draw strength's the pick here. Yes. Yeah, I, I think I would take draw strength here, sort of like with the Longhorn in the pe- pick above. You know, it's hard to take a Combray card this early, especially <coughs> when it's up against a very, you know, draw strength is also, is just a very powerful card. So it's not really worth, I think, taking a flyer on Omri's choice just yet. Um, what do you think, Hats? Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's the responsible choice. Um, I do like Omri's Choice a lot, though. I think in a vacuum, it's actually better than Draw Strength, um, but it is dual faction. The idea of silencing a minion and getting the tempo. 
I just think having uh, I just think having the uh, the option of of bouncing something and silencing it is 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 that good. Um, yes. That uh, it, like it, if you silence and bounce something while you're in a racing situation, you pretty much win that game. And draw strength can probably win you that game too, um, but not quite as cleanly as Omri's choice does. And also, the overwhelm is really nice sometimes. Draw strength can't give something overwhelm, and sometimes Omri's choice just surprise. I'm in Combray, but I can have overwhelm. Yeah. Cool. So, but I so, think draw strength. So I is... did good. Oh yeah, yeah, you did good. Oh good. All right, the next one here. This pack just seemed a little ugly to me, and I'm I'm probably I th- I might be a little married to my first picks at this point. Um, it had Majestic Mandrake, Edict of Kadosh, uh, Living Mountain, Sky Horror Draconis, and those were the ones that were really in contention. And I ended up taking the Green Edict, and right, Edict of Kadosh. Yep. Yeah, and the reason I took that was. Because I felt like it was one of the more powerful cards in the in the pack, and it was in my colors. So maybe I'm a little married to my first pick here, but that was my justification. Yeah, uh, I don't think it's a I don't think it's a, a great pack. So I think it's I think taking the edict is fine here. Uh, it's possible that I take the mandrake here, but I I don't know. That's more of an instinct. I don't think that I can back that up with logic. I thought the Mandrake was a bad card. I'm wrong there, aren't I? It's mostly a weak card in this format because there's so many other good six drops and there's not going to be any shortage of them. There haven't been as many good six drops in other formats. And uh, so uh, so getting a good like large creature at that at that cost was really good. But here, of course, there's Grodov's Favored and like Champion Grappler and things like that. So you really always have something to do on six and seven. But I don't know. I mean, it is a seven-five with overwhelm. It 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 ends games. Yeah, that's uh, that's the nice part about majestic mandrake is that it has overwhelm. So uh, unlike the overwhelm's favor, yeah, yeah, because like if you if you attack and somebody tries to trade with this thing, um, and then you you use a uh, a combat trick on it, um, like if it didn't have overwhelm. Then you would be trading your combat trick for whatever blocked it. But if you do, if you have a combat trick here, you also do a bunch of damage to their face and put them in a bad position for the next time you attack with it. It's a lot better than something. That, I mean, I'm just explaining how overwhelm works, basically. But <laughs> <laughs> that, in case you don't know, that's how it works. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's fine. I uh, thinking about it more though. There's not really any reason to take it this early, and there's just nothing else like really attractive in this pack. This is sort of a good time to pick up an edict because edicts are really hard to evaluate for me, and I don't think this is a, a very good one. It might get cut from your final deck, um, but there's nothing wrong with sticking with the color that you already have, kind of cementing yourself yeah. in it, sending Spoiler, the right signals did, to yeah. the algorithm. It did get cut, but uh, <laughs> I still was happy with the take with taking it. Yeah, I think I would have, and because Combray is such a powerful faction combination, I probably would have taken Mandrake, Edict of Kodash. The fact that I don't like it more than I do is a little surprising, because silence a unit like is a pretty good effect in this format. So like, its worst case scenario is not like the worst in the world you know it's not as bad as like the primal one which just stuns something um but i think part of it is just like 
killing a fire or shadow unit is just not super exciting to me. You mean if they have one? Yeah, exactly. Oh, you're insane. Just if like, they have one, this card's disgusting. No, but... it, it definitely is disgusting, but like, I think those aren't necessarily two of the strongest factions. You know, it's. I think being able to hit a time or justice unit is a lot more helpful because you're going to see... You'll see more of them on the on the climb. Yeah. Okay, I get that. But I'm saying if they, I thought you were saying if they, if they were playing a shadow deck, you'd be like, eh, it's still not that good. No, I don't. I don't mean that. But like, I mean, even if you think like, I feel like this card is like specifically, you're like, oh, I can kill every Cinder Dragon they play. But like, you know, like a lot of the fire units are kind of dinky and. It just, drop it's not as exciting as I feel like it should be for killing a unit. Oh, and you're right. I did end up cutting it. So yeah, so yeah. That's how it. That's how it goes a lot. Like I end up playing edict if I don't have quite enough other spells or tricks, uh, because sometimes they're the best spell in your deck depending on your opponent. But sometimes they're really terrible. So they tend to be the ones that go that that, that get cut if I have more than enough playables. Uh, except right. for the except for the time one, which is just always pretty good. So now pick four, cards in contention. Uh, this is also maybe not quite as strong of a pack. The uh, only justice card is the aforementioned Prancing Griffin, which is uh, the one justice, one one flying, give a unit flying for a turn. And then for other colors, there's a Wretched Raven, there's a Swaying Sea Karen, there's a Sky Horror Draconis, and an Elizo's Elite. Uh-oh. So, <laughs> I'm just going to say it now. The card that I picked was not in the cards in contention. So, maybe I made a mistake here. But I took uh, I took Unmake. The, uh, yeah. Or the, uh, yeah, Unmake. That's the one oh, I took. Good. Okay, yeah, we, get, we get to make fun of you now. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> so, for everyone who doesn't know what Unmake is, it's the two-time fast spell, kill an enemy attachment, decimate, kill an additional enemy attachment. Yeah, not unplayable, but not the pick here, I don't think. <laughs> no, that makes sense. Looking back. Yeah. yeah, I think this is... It's definitely not unplayable, but I don't know if I would want to pick it this early. You know, also, in time, it's a replaceable effect. Um, and so... It just doesn't seem worth picking up early. And also, um, you know, you just might not have this from, you know, have enough draft experience. But it's a card, I think, that will probably, you'll see late also. Often. Okay. So what was the pick, gentlemen? Well, my pick isn't in the cards of contention that are listed here either. Uh, I would take torture here. Oh. There's torture in the pack, and that would be my pick. Oh, really? Just good yeah, I'm not a big fan of the curses, so I don't really... It's like one of those cards that I just don't see. Yeah, yeah, Torture's really grown <laughs> on me. Also, uh, also, you're already in Justice, and you might end up with a little bit of, uh, of random curse, curse synergy. synergy. Uh, torture is perfectly fine removal at that cost. Yeah, I mean, if it were more... Uh, if it were more expensive, I would expect it to do more, but at three power, um, that really takes a unit right out of contention on the battlefield and i i think it's playable i guess yeah. it's good too because a lot of these cursed synergy decks want the like you almost don't want the minion to die you'd rather it just become like unusable and let the curse stick around yeah 
So that's kind of what torture can do too. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, it's not on the level of permafrost, of course, because it costs three times as much and doesn't completely take it out of play. But I think it's I think for what it is, it it, it does its job very well. And we're going to go back to an old uh, Farming Eternal classic. So in our alternate universe, so if you had taken the Majestic Mandrake last pack, mm-hmm. would that sway your pick in this pack? No, I think Torture is that much better than Swaying Sea Karen. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Swaying Sea Karen's a unit, of course, and you want units. But uh, I like Swaying Sea Karen at the beginning of this format a lot more than I do now, especially if I'm ending up in Combray. I don't think it's very good in Combray because Combray doesn't want to be so defensive. Right. Okay. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. And was I guess that I was pick, like, Patrick? What? The 2-4? Yes. Cool. Yeah, it's that a was almost good my card. pick. It's a perfectly good card. Swing Seek here and is absolutely playable. Um, uh, I just think Torture is better here. And that's, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, that's just that just would be my call at this uh, point in my evolution. Well, this was an interesting pack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So uh, next um, cards in contention. There is in the Argentport Insignia. There is a Nahid's Choice, which again is the two Xenon um, Choice spell. Uh, there's a Smoke Dancer, which is the two Shadow two two Dragon Ally plus two plus two. There's a Warbrush Oni. A Zoltan Paladin is the only Justice card, and a Makar Evangel. Well, guys, I uh, I did it again. <laughs> <laughs> I took the card that wasn't in the cards for contention, and I took uh, Wilderness Refuge because I felt like it was... Um, I like Bounce. Uh-huh. Maybe I'm overvaluing it a little too much, and I do like Ramping, um, especially if I'm in... I'm I'm well at this point I'm leaning towards time so I'm expecting to get a couple bigger white creatures so I did take it and maybe maybe looking back it was it was wrong but uh, that's the (laughs) card I went with and almost now I'm I'm thinking I don't know what I would have took instead though so look correct show me my the error of my way well wilderness refuge doesn't have board presence by itself. Um, I think it's 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 a playable card. Uh, it's a lot more playable if you have some muster units, since it activates muster by itself. Um, and it's a more interesting card if you end up with a top-heavy curve, because then you're ramping to something specific. I don't think you play it if you have a healthy curve, because there's no reason to. You might as well just play a sigil. It doesn't really matter that much that you're ramping from 3 power to 5 power. Uh, unless that's what your curve looks like, and you need to do that. Mm-hmm. But mostly, um, this is bounce, but it's very, very expensive bounce. Teleport is a great card in this format. Wilderness Refuge is a much, much slower card that does a similar thing. Yeah, it costs six. Yeah. That's and it's good. slow speed. Yeah. It does um, not good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I probably should have took the Paladin. Look, yeah. If I could do a mulligan, I think I would have took the Paladin. Uh, the Paladin, Zoltan Paladin. Yeah. Uh, that wouldn't be my recommendation either. That's not an unplayable card. It's a fine two-drop, and you are in Justice. But at this point, I'm taking uh, the presence of Makar Evangel, the, the Shadow Evangel, as a sign that maybe Shadow is a little bit open here, and that would be my recommendation. I would take that. Okay. That's the 2-2? Two, two? The 2-2 two, two yeah, with Quick the, Draw. The, yeah. The Evangel, yep, the Shadow Evangel with Quick Draw and Fate gain... Uh... A shadow sigil. 
And you agree, Patrick? Yeah, I think I would. I think some people might take the Warbrush Oni in this case, um, especially because you're base justice and uh, the Oni deck, the uh, fire and justice Oni deck is very powerful. I'm a little, I have not drafted that deck yet, so I would just take the Makar Evangel, I think, as the most powerful card in this pack. Cool. So I definitely have to, I think, again, I think I'm getting trapped a little bit by like, being scared to branch off into different colors and clearly i'm a little comfortable with the green white style so yeah. i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to keep that in mind next time i draft so but <laughs> want to see me not get punished at all for staying narrow-minded because this next <laughs> yeah. pack oh right. read this next pack patrick what, all right what so this is pick six cards of contention there's a xenon insignia there is an oni stalwart there's an Intrepid Longhorn and a Misery Walker. Okay, I, even I got this one right because uh, I, I don't think it's close. That I think this is just obviously uh, Intrepid Longhorn. Uh, yeah, Intrepid Longhorn. Uh, it is it is OP. Uh, it's too big for its cost, and it dominates this format in a way that I don't always like. <laughs> I don't know how it got to me this pick. Uh, that's that's because people didn't want to move in on uh, on two factions because uh, there is a chance that you wouldn't be able to play it because uh, not only is it two factions it's a cheap card that you want to play on turn two so you can't really splash it or anything like that you have to be solidly in Cambrai and you just had five people ahead of you that weren't willing to make that leap meanwhile I was taking bad white cards which paid <laughs> off Yeah. Sure. Sure. Uh, Yeah, Longhorn's a fine pick here. I think uh, with the picks that I've taken so far at this point, like a couple of good Justice cards and Shadow cards, I probably would have actually taken the Oni Stalwart over the Longhorn just because it's it's more likely to make my final deck. Uh, But I think the the fact... It's hard for me to say that Longhorn is the wrong pick because sometimes you do end up in Combray and then it's the best card in your deck. That'll happen. It's just a risk. No, that makes sense. I definitely took it because I was married to my white and green cards, yeah. and I'll I won't I don't regret it because I no. so far every day de- I feel like if you get a couple of these, your decks you can make something with your green white decks. They're just the cards are just there. So maybe I'm being a little narrow here, but and I do like Ani Stalward, the uh, the endurance guy, because like one combat trick and he just snowballs out of control. So I like both of those picks, but I'm happy I took the Intrepid. Yeah, I think I would have taken a flyer on the Intrepid Longhorn, um, too, just because the Oni Stalwart is a good card, but, you know, it is sort of a replaceable card. You're probably going to end up with enough two-drops that you you could just replace a two-drop with Oni Stalwart and still have enough playables at the end of your, you know, a playable curve if uh, Cambrai ends up not being open. All right, and we're just going to review one more pick on uh, Craig's request, and this is uh, pack two, pick one. Um, So as Craig was sort of laying out there, he kind of continued to pick up um, some Combray cards, so he's going into pack two thinking that he is solidly in Combray. And so the cards of contention here... There is a Timekeeper, which is the four times zero zero plus one plus one for each of your time influence. 
There is a Minotaur Oathkeeper and a Downfall. And I think those are the best cards in your colors. Um, the rare is Relentless Gorehorn, which is the foreshadow three three revenge. Summon your other min your other summon your other Minotaurs get plus two attack. There's a Dark Weaver and Enchantress and a Razor Quill. Um, hey, no, so sorry. The reason I wanted to bring up this pack is even in a vacuum, like considering I wasn't if I was not green white. Um, I don't know that. I don't know that I see a better card than the green guy, except for maybe, uh, except for the one mana one one that I picked, the uh, Minotaur Oathkeeper. Yeah, I think the only card I see in contention against it myself is uh, Camp Surveyor. I, I thought this was a really weak pack, and I'm curious if I'm just wrong on this. If I just don't understand. You mean if, it, you mean if you were just totally open and you could take any card here? Yeah, if this was pack one, pick one. I, I don't wouldn't see take. The, I wouldn't take Camp ones. Surveyor. I think it's weaker than quite a few cards in this pack, actually. Okay, now that's where I want to understand, because I think I'm losing stuff here. Uh, I think Darkweave Enchantress is a playable card. Darkweave Enchantress dead. is uh, it's a zero four with Deadly, uh, but you can pay five power to uh, to twist the Enchantress and put a minus one minus one curse on. And Deadly one of your only units. activates after you twist, correct? Well, it it yeah, she'll only have one one attack uh, once you once you twist her once. So yeah. it is a it's a slow card for sure, but it does dominate the game if you have the power to activate it. Okay. Okay, cool. See, I didn't know if that was too slow. And what is there anything else better than the one one? Hats, are you saying that you think Dark Weave Enchantress is better than the Minotaur Oathkeeper, or that just depends, better than that Camp depends Surveyor? on the deck? It depends on the deck that I'm playing. Uh, I, yeah. I, I'm, I, I cool on Oathkeeper quite a bit if my deck isn't looking particularly aggressive, because again, it's a one power one one. It has a good effect for sure, especially if you're going to be doing a lot of attacking. Uh, but, uh, but again, is that worth an entire card slot in your deck? I don't, I'm not sure. It feels like a very powerful card when it's working. And then when you top deck it later in the game, it doesn't feel so powerful. Yeah, so. that is true. It, don't, it really is only good in the beginning of the game. It's absolutely a good card. I'm not saying that Oathkeeper is, is, isn't a good card. And I think it's probably the right pick for the pack for the deck that you were drafting here, uh, out of this pack, uh, but if if we were drafting shadow, if like I was drafting the shadow deck that I probably would have been at this point, I would yeah. have taken the dark weave enchantress. Okay, yeah. no, that makes sense to me. That's interesting because I would have taken the razor quill over the dark weave enchantress if we're yeah. picking shadow cards. Razor quill's fine. Uh, it has a lot more presence when you first cast it. It does cost one more power, um, but uh, the more it's. I don't think Razor Quill is as good as it was when it was first released. It got nerfed so that its twist costs two, and I just it never ends up having that much of an effect on the games that I see it in now. Oh really? I guess yeah. maybe I'm overvaluing just how good it is with reconnaissance. Oh sure. Well, yeah. I mean, that's a killer combo for sure. <laughs> but I don't know if you have a reconnaissance. <laughs> yeah, though I think reconnaissance is are a lot easier to pick up than Razor Quills. Yeah. So. And it's like a fine card on its own. And Darkweaver Enchantress is like a little bit slow for me. That's fair. I've just never seen it do like super broken stuff. Though I've never seen it in a really good curse 
shell either. Yeah, it's good in a it's good in a cursed shell. There's that uh, there's that car. There's an uncommon. I I don't know what it's called at all, but it's a one three that uh, that that discard that mills five cards from your opponent every time you play a curse. And I had someone early in the format have both of those cards out against me. Calamity Oracle. That's what it's called. I had Calamity Oracle and a Darkweave Enchantress. So they just so they just milled me for five cards every turn for four <laughs> turns running. That's gross. <laughs> it was yeah. it was terrible, <laughs> but also fantastic. Uh, that's one I need to work on a little bit. Well, I think you probably already know this, but uh, like knowing that there are strong faction combinations like Combray and Ricano uh, is excellent. Knowing which ones are the best ones to be in is good, but it's also really good to be flexible and to know where the power is in the other faction combinations because it's not as immediately obvious when it's not in Combray sometimes. Um, and and seeing that other avenues are open and moving in at the right time is a good way to be a successful drafter. And I'm yeah, sure you I, know that from Magic. Yeah. I haven't touched a shadow card almost ex- except for the mill deck that I, I talked about. So like, I need some... I need to... All right. So I think we're going to end our show there. So thank you, Craig. Thank you, Hats, for coming on again this week. If you guys want to say like, oh, Craig... If I hear about Hearthstone or Magic one more time, I'll kill you. Go ahead and uh, follow me at Craig of Canada on Twitter. That's the only plug a I'll do. Oh, no, that's 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 fine. R-E-I-G <laughs> of and then uh, thanks again to all our patrons for making this show a success. And for those of you who are not patrons, a way that you can participate is giving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. You can join us in um, join us in our Discord and contribute like Stevie London does. There will be a link in the show notes. And finally, thumbs up all of Raven Dragon's Reddit posts about the show to sort of uh, help people see the show and learn about it. Um, and don't forget to send all your seven win deck lists you do this week to farmingeternal at gmail.com. And remember to keep on farming. Bye. Have a good night. Oh, Bye. No. Hats. Every single week. You you wait for me. I say bye. <laughs> you say bye. Okay. You want to try it again? <laughs> right. No, that's fine. All right. We'll give us another blooper for our Patreon. <laughs>